My guest is Dr. Gail, ET contactee from Mount Shasta, California, who is involved in ET rescue missions. Dr. Gail, thank you for joining me and welcome. Well, thank you, Jeff, for having me. I appreciate you having me on your show. It's so exciting. Your show is. <laughs> well, thank you. Dr. Gail, can you tell us about how you started getting contact from ETs? Well, I've been contacted all my life, but I haven't been aware of it until 2020 when I went through a spiritual awakening. Um, and I was presented with a bracelet from an angel and that just opened my whole life up. And I started meeting different ET species from then on. Um, first thing I met was Nocturian. And her name was Matt Kai. My second one was Mary, who is a gray hybrid. My third one was, um, and this were all through meditation. Because I had started meditating when we went in for COVID. And then I met a reptilian. And only I only had one metaphysical friend at that time that I went running to going, what is happening? I didn't even know what a spiritual awakening was or any of this or these ETs that I was meeting, she would say, okay, this is what this was. And this is what this was. This was Nocturian. This was a gray hybrid. And um, anyway, I kept going to her and kept going, I must have a brain tumor. There's something wrong with me. And she kept saying, no, you're okay. You are okay. I know you. I know you on you know, a different level. And so she, when I've met the reptilian, Carl, that's when she freaked out on me a little bit going, whoa, 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 you know, reptilian you need to be aware of. Well, he was so nice. And I think maybe because I didn't have any um, knowledge of these things before that, it made it easier for me to meet somebody like that because he was very nice and he's a friend now. Um, it went on where I was going, meeting him through my third eye. And then I was sitting in a store with Meg and the owner of the store, Mary, as the Rustic Raven in Florence, South Carolina. And I saw my first ET come in through, um, I was sitting on a couch and they were sitting around me, came to the doorway and she was a tall blue um, ET. Her name was Sally and she was probably about six feet tall and she's a cross between, a, looks like a cross between a deer and an ET. I'd never seen anything like that before. And course she was talking telepathic and immediately it took me through every emotion I had I was from laughing to crying within seconds how that emotion um came over me they couldn't see her I was the only one that could see her they could sense her they could feel her but they couldn't see her she stayed with me all day apologizing because she had made a mistake that she wasn't supposed to reveal herself to me she was new on earth and um so that was my first contact with one when I was awake I could see her I could you know we were talking telepathically and it, it was pretty amazing and it went snowballing after that with me let me um, stop you there for a moment I want to go back to something now you had a spiritual awakening where you were in contact with an angel mm -hmm. an angel she uh, came flying around and presented me with a bracelet that was two hands out she's Here's a bracelet. And I jumped off the couch. Now, I pitched so badly. This was while you were awake? I was meditating. Meditating. Okay. So you're meditating. She presented you with a, with a bracelet. Mm -hmm. What did she look like? Oh, she was absolutely beautiful. In, in fact, um, 
I knew that she came to me. My father was kind of protecting me. I've always been able to talk to people who've passed. And he was had passed probably about eight months before that. And I'm talking to him. We had a special place where we meet. Anyway, she came flying around him. And I went, the only reason she got around him was because she was pretty. Because <laughs> she had this, she was this bright, bright light. She had blonde, like Dolly Parton blonde hair. And um, just beautiful, just beautiful. And the light was so bright that, I mean, it just, it just almost like knocked me back. Um, but she was just beautiful, beautiful, blonde, fair, you know, blue eyes, just beautiful. And it was the light. The light was amazing. And the feeling was amazing. Now, did this also start around 2020? This was 2020. This is July 2020. And that's the day I consider my spiritual awakening when she presented me with that bracelet. And I went crawling over to my friend Meg asking her what had just happened. I was real sheepish about it because I, I just didn't know anything about any of this metaphysical stuff at that time. What type of meditation were you practicing? <laughs> Nothing really. Just like 20-minute YouTube uh, meditations. That's the kind of meditations I was practicing. And, you know, when we went in COVID, I made my to-do list of all these things to do. And I went, oh, let me try this meditation stuff. And, um, you know, all these other things to do around the house and learn Spanish, all these things. And um, meditation was the most biggest thing that I did that really changed my life. And yeah, I mean, when she, her name, the angel is with me all the time. Her, and her name, um, oh my gosh, I, I just forgot her name. This is terrible. But anyway, whenever I'm having trouble, she, it, she'll hug me with her angel wings. Um, and, and that's the most, I mean, if you can get hugged by an angel, that is just amazing. Gloria, Gloria's her name. And um, yeah, yeah. So then after that, that's when I started meeting the ETs one by one. Now it's almost like I had a parade of them. I even had a red butterfly show up one time. But um, anyway, there's one day I went with my dogs hiking on the trails, which I do quite often. And that is a, going into a meditative state for me also. And I had, um, let's say I'd already had met a praying mantis, which I was calling a grasshopper. And um, another praying mantis was in the car when I got back to the car waiting for me. And he showed me what my future was going to be. My future was to go into these type of Area 51s where they had caught the ETs and they were sick or dying and I was to go in and rescue them. Well, I was going, okay, you know, okay, I'll agree. I'll do that. That sounds interesting. And how are you going to train me? Well, the next thing I knew, I was flashed into a place like that where they said I was going to be the one considered the translator between the ETs and the humans. And that was my specialty. And that's why I was going to be doing that. So they flashed me into one of those areas and I walked in and they were giving me a tour and I saw in one of the rooms where they had them captive, the ETs, one that I knew, his name was Neil. And he was, a, he was the other praying mantis and he'd been captured and immediately I just kind of freaked out because I already knew this guy. I'd met his family. I, and it, it, I was devastated. So um, he told me to keep quiet because we we're going to be telepathically communicating. And so, um, we did, and 
I did freak out about it. And they took me to the office to where, well, the, my tour was over immediately when they knew I recognized them. And I was mad at them because they had them. I was saying, let them go, let them go. And then they took me into the office and sat me down. And um, I realized I had a gift that they needed. They needed me to be able to communicate between the ETs and humans. And so I threatened to quit. If they didn't let him go, I was going to quit. So they agreed they were going to let him go. And so um, I went into, uh, he, we were, I know I'm going all over the place here. We were talking the whole time telepathically and they didn't know it. They didn't know we were having that kind of communication. He told me to go sit in the lounge, communicate with his spaceship and that they would rescue him. So the plan was that they were going to let him out the door. They were going to capture him again and put him somewhere else where I wouldn't know about it. But our plan was that when he walked out the door, the spaceship would beam him up. So that's what happened. So I sat there drinking coffee, watching the monitors while that was occurring. And so that started my rescue missions. And it was successful. They got him. They got him out. And they immediately came running to me, wanted to know what had happened. And I'm pretending like I have no idea. Why do you think the ETs needed your help? Why couldn't they just rescue them on their own? I kept asking them that myself. And um, the way the facility was, they had to have them outside the facility to rescue him. But the reason why they they kept telling me when I kept going, why me? Why me? They kept saying, you look human. That was always their answer. They look human. You look human. And I'm going, what? Does that mean I can get, just because I can get in and out of places easier than they can, an ET can. If they had to go in, they could not disguise themselves as a human to go in. So they needed to get him outside to rescue him. And and then to find out later, they had planned it all. They had planned on him. They were wanting to get the layout of that um, facility. And that's why he had been captured. And there's a lot of times they do get captured just to learn about human behavior or learn about the facility or, you know, doing their own kind of research. So when he told you, you look human, that implies that you're not completely human. Exactly. What was going through your mind when you found that out? It took me a long time to find that out. I mean, it took forever to find out that I was a human hybrid. And even when they were saying, you look human, I'm going, well, of course I look human. I'm human. Why wouldn't I look human? But it took me to starting to work on my first spaceship, which is a hybrid spaceship, um, that they... The captain said, everybody who works on the spaceship is a hybrid, and everybody who we work on, our patients, are hybrids. And I'm just bebopping along, because I was the only human looking one on that spaceship at that time. And I'm, be, I'm looking at me going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everybody that works on the spaceship is a hybrid? I'm a hybrid? And yes. So whatever you look like is what they name you. Like, I look human, so I'm considered a human hybrid. If you look Arcturian, you're hybrid, you're Arcturian hybrid or Palladian. Just whatever you look like is what that first word is, hybrid. And everybody on that spaceship was a hybrid, and there and that was a hospital for hybrids. So that's how I found out. And it took me days to absorb that, to be okay with that, to I'm okay with it now. It, but it did take a while to be okay with it. 
All right, let me see if I can clear something up for me. When you are in a meditative state, that's when you're in contact with ETs, and that's when you are also traveling to these facilities where the ETs are, right? It's going to get more complicated. I don't have to be meditating anymore to do that. Okay, well then let's go there. Let's keep going. When you are there, you are also communicating with the human captors. I did at this location. Not all rescue missions are like that. I was just curious how the humans are able to see you. Yeah, there's two different ways I travel. And my light body travels and it can be my own physical body that looks like me. My body stays here. I cannot be active doing two things at the same time. So I have to be either resting or sitting. Um, if I've been called when I was driving that I've had to pull over and drive. But my light body can go and it looks like me. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm astral traveling, that's kind of a see-through look for me. Um, I'm astral traveling, and that's kind of like on going exploration or remote viewing. That's usually when I'm astral traveling and having fun. But when my light body goes out of my body, um, that's when I'm actually in looking out like me. And so you appear physical to them. I- One thing that I wanted to know more about was that you said if they didn't let him go or something that you would quit. Were you telling the humans that if you don't let the alien go, I right. will quit? That's the humans because they needed me because I had the communication skills to be able to um, talk to the ETs and humans. In a way, you're both working for the humans and the ETs. And I, and I rescue both. Okay. Yes, oh. there's been humans I've rescued from ETs also. Hmm. And that's part of my implant removal um, is rescuing the humans from the ETs. So I do, I work, I do both, humans and ETs. Which ETs are the bad ones that you need to rescue humans from? I don't like grouping anybody. Like everybody wants to say reptilians are the bad ones, or the mm-hmm. Dracos are the bad ones. There are bad ones and good ones. So I would say my most, uh, it would probably be the Dracos that I'm actually rescuing the most from. Um, they do, to, but it, it, it can be different ones, whoever's being implanted. And it is to keep that person down from ascending. They pick out those special people that have abilities and they'll put implants in them to stop them from ascending to, you know, out of 3D and they'll go in and remove them and then they're able to ascend. What do the Dracos look like? Well, the first Draco I saw was coming after me. I didn't even know what they were. And this one looked um, tall, black, with big wings, dragon looking. Um, And he came knocking at the door. And this was during a dream. And he came knocking at the door. I had two people beside me. And he came knocking on the door, opened the door, and I saw this thing. And I just shut that door. And um, then he started knocking again, and I wouldn't open it. And I told the other two people not to open it. Well, he started to the whole door frame and pushed it and was pushing me uh, a whole, across the whole house behind this door. And I remember looking over at somebody going, I guess I got to handle this. Well, <laughs> I was so calm about it. And I was being pushed by this Draco all the way across the room. Um, then it finally left and it came back and I was trying to find out all about who that was. And I found out it was a Draco. And the next day I was worried about how uh, I've talked 
was taught how to handle it or they were ETs were telling me how to handle it when it came back. And I can't remember what I did this morning. I have to go back and look at my notes on what how I handled it. But it was either a prayer or something I said or or something. But they came and got them and took them away. And they were telling me from that day on that I was always going to be protected. Um, and that's, that was what's attacking me, and I was calm about it. And I guess I had to see what I was going to be up against later. But that seems to be what I go in and have to remove the most the implants from. But it is can be anywhere. I know that sounds crazy, doesn't it? No. <laughs> I, haven't even, I haven't forgotten. I haven't even thought, talked about that in a long time. Well, you seem pretty calm about all of this in general. In the beginning, how were you? I've been calm about it because it seems second nature. They've told me this is my third lifetime doing this, and it does seem second nature. So I, I would say, yes, it's probably it. They're just awakening what my knowledge is. What do the implants generally look like? The first one I pulled out, and they, they did tend to look different, but the very first one I pulled out looked like a piece of tape, and it was had a um, black edge on it, and it was silver on the part of it and it was probably I don't know it was just not very big but I pulled it out and it was in the um, pineal gland and um, at this time I was working on the spaceship as a neurosurgeon and that was my specialty was removing them and you have to do a lot of things like I have to get rid of the negative entity I have to remove the implant then I do color balancing I do um, chakra therapy and um, I balance the energy chemistry and hormones of somebody went with all this to get them back to a level where they can keep on going. And so there's a lot that I'm doing when I take out the implants. If it's out of pineal gland, I have to take kind of a syringe and I go suboccipital. Oh, you would know this. I can mm-hmm. tell, talk to you like this. <laughs> I can go suboccipital approach to get that um, implant out and, um, and take it out. And first time I did it, I took it out. I was so mad at my very first one. I was stomping it on the ground. I threw it on the ground. I was stomping it. And my assistant's a gray hybrid who was a little more structured. She's going to came over to me going, Dr. Gale, this is how we handle those. And she wanted this little jar she had. She put it in and incinerate it. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I said, that's just a human thing. You know, anyway, she was just like, didn't laugh at it. I was laughing at myself, but as they laugh at me a lot, and they do say all the time, you're so human. <laughs> so um, we have, they have a lot of sense of humor, but ours is different. And she didn't understand that stomping on it or that angry at it. And um, anyway, that was my first implant. So the implants look different and they can be in any part of your body. And oh, we have a, a machine that scans for them. So it almost looks like um, a, a C-arm x-ray but it's not, it's a lot smaller, but it'll totally scan the body and I can go in and remove all the implants. And some are activated and some are not activated. So um, it's just different on everybody. Do you think a lot of humans on this planet have implants and don't even realize it? Oh yeah, definitely. And, and, and there's a lot of positive implants too. It's only the ones you need to be removed that are negative implants, like the personal present with um, depression, suicidal thoughts, angry outburst those people a lot of times especially if they're in this kind of world they might have a negative implant and they have gifts that they're trying to keep down so when i go out and remove those implants that person will just you know explode with their gifts will come out you have been piloting ships 
Can you tell us how to do that? I love to fly spaceships. Yeah, the um, first time, um, actually, it was one day when Monta showed up in my living room, took me outside. There was a spaceship in my backyard. He was a gold being, um, probably about five, six, or seven, and he was humanoid, and he was a gold being. He was shiny. You know, it didn't have clothes or hair or anything like that, but, you know, he was, was beautiful. So he went out and he presented the spaceship to me, and I thought, oh, I'm going, I'm being abducted. What am I doing? Why am I following this guy? And went up the ramp, and there's another gold being just like him, and I'm going, I'm hesitating at, even at the door, going, what am I doing? Am I being stupid? Just walking right in here to the spaceship with him? Mm-hmm. And um, then they sat me down in the pilot seat. Well, not the pilot seat at that time. Yeah, I did. It was a co- yeah, I was in the pilot seat. But anyway, I went on an excursion with them, and they were showing me around. I wasn't didn't fly the spaceship that day. They just showed me around and showed me all the inner workings of the spaceship. Also, I went in and saw the middle part and saw some old books. And when they took me back, oh, I forgot one thing. They told me to go on a bland diet for five days. It was a message I got before I went on the spaceship. And when I came back, I just got that tour. I was sick and nauseated for days um, from that, from that experience. And then they came and got me again, and we went back up. Of course, I ran out there to get in the spaceship this time. And uh, I got to go outside the spaceship. We got to float around. I kind of bounced around and had to get my bearings, but that was quite entertaining for them. I had all of them looking at me, watching out the window. But then, um, then it got to be where I was going to be trained how to fly it. And the first thing when I went in to integrate with the spaceship, I had to put my hands up against the window in the front. And that was my integration. That was a physical integration with it. So we became one. So whatever you thought, you, you had to learn how to control your thoughts. And that was a real, that was probably the hardest thing I did was um, controlling thoughts because you're not like steering it like we have a steering wheel or anything it's just with your thoughts you're joined to the spaceship and um, there were some lots of incidents that I had like one day I said I wonder if I can see that ant on earth and we went <laughs> so I made a lot of mistakes but that's basically how you fly a spaceship it's through your mind just through your you're joined with them. You're one. And um, it's pretty amazing. I love flying spaceships. You are doing this in the meditative state though, right? Um, no, <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, are you doing this like from a meditative state or are you physically awake and you go out in your backyard and saw the ship? No, I didn't physically go out in my backyard. But to me, it's hard to distinguish now between um, third and fifth dimension. I ha- I don't have a real fine line between that anymore because I'm like in fifth dimension when I'm doing all that and third dimension physically here, but I just don't, that delineation is just not real strong for me anymore. So it's just like I'm there. Would you say the difference between the third and the fifth dimension is just like turning a radio dial? It's like the third dimension's 99.1, and then when you turn it to 104.3, you're in the fifth dimension. It's just like you change phases of existence. Yeah, I would call it frequencies. 
Mm-hmm. You just change your frequency and you're there. And you can be there in both places at the same time. In fact, I have been in three places where I've, my physical body was here. I've, um, my light body has gone to the spaceship and they needed me to um, go over to another spaceship and look. So I would go over a remote view and that would be my um, other body, my see-through body. <laughs> anyway, so I've done all three. So I've got a clear understanding of how that feels and how I look and what I'm doing now, um, which I explain that to a, a lot of people. When well, astral traveling is when you kind of see through me. I can't work astral traveling, but that's where I can have fun, when I can go out the stars and I can go look and remote view. But my light body is the one, it's your soul, your light body that can go anywhere and work. And actually it can take on different physical forms because at one time I was an interplanetary liaison and I would go from planet to planet. And um, one planet I went on, I unzipped my human body, put it on a rack and put on a whale body and went swimming with the whales and that was fascinating to me that I didn't know I could do that. I mean, I didn't know that you could change like that. And that just kind of explains what the light body can do. It's just, it can, it can go anywhere. It can do anything. Describe for us what the ship looked like from the inside. The little one that I was training on, mm-hmm. um, they, they named it the Slime, which I didn't like that name. So I changed it to my little ambulance because we were always rescuing. Um, but Inside of it, well, the outside is it's um, triangular shaped with a, like a glass bubble in the front. And then inside, there's three seats in the front, and it's just like you're sitting in almost like an aquarium where you can see everything. You can see the stars. You can see everything. You can bring up all the information on the front panel, almost like a computer screen. Any information on where you're going, that comes up right up there. You just think about it, and it comes up. And... When the spaceship looks tiny, I mean, it's probably from the outside, it looks like it's maybe two or three car lengths. No, maybe three car lengths. It's not very big, but when you get inside, it looks huge. The inner part of it um, is like in the middle. And it, um, I don't know, it kind of, it's almost like a room that um, has all the inner workings and just going in there, it looked kind of dark. And I was, in all actuality, I was being shown by this guy who I didn't find very appealing to look like, like but to look at. So I was a little hesitant on that search and looking at those things. I wanted to get out of that room as fast as I could from him. I, I didn't like being around him. Um, but there was a lot more going on in the back, and there's more ETs there that I didn't see, that I didn't explore. Because I couldn't believe there was so much more room inside than there was outside. And um, basically that's it. Because I stayed mostly in the front where the three seats were in my little my glass panels. And there was no bathroom on that spaceship, which I found out later. Did they tell you what the propulsion system is? I don't. I am medical. So I don't know any of that engineering things. I might should be asking, but I'm so focused on the medical part of it. Um, in fact, you know, during all this, I've become a medical intuitive. And um, so I'm just so medical. I'm, I'm on the rescue missions. I'm in charge of hospitals. 
trauma centers, that kind of thing. So I am not the engineering person to ask those kind of questions. Ask me the medical stuff and I can answer, but that kind of stuff, I can't. Have you learned any medical knowledge when you were there that you didn't have here? And if so, have you brought that knowledge back with you? Yes. Yes, a lot. In fact, well, I will, as I said, I take the humans up to the spaceships to remove implants. So I use that knowledge all the time and I've brought it back and I do use it. In fact, just the past few days, I've been um, given more gifts on being able to go inside the human body and look at the organs. Now, how I started on the medical intuitive part, which was about six months ago, I can see people's x-rays now without seeing their x-rays. Like I can look at them and see your x-rays. I can see all your chiropractic x-rays. I can see all that now. So I've been given some amazing gifts. Are you saying that you see their x-rays of ones that have been previously taken or you're just looking at the person's body and you can see their bones? Both. I can adjust them energetically now too. What other things have you brought back that you've learned, medically speaking? Uh, medically speaking, well, I can go, as I said, I can go into the organs to find out. Of course, I have my guides and everything helping me a lot with that. Um, but the, how important your chakras are, the chakras on how to keep them open and to heal them and how that's attached. What I have found, like, okay, you have your aura, your chakras, your spine, your organs, all that stuff, we, you know, look at it separately. Like a medical doctor is going to look at your organs or whatever thing you're complaining about. Chiropractically, we look at the spine. Um, and metaphysically, we're looking at your auras and your chakras. Well, I'm bringing it all together um, and looking at it all because it, it's all related. If you've got a problem with your aura, it's going to go all the way through your body to spine to a nerve to an organ so i would say i'm a much more inclusive um medical person now there's so much so much can be done energetically i i would say um oh i, I it's just exploded on my information and how i can work but yeah i've found how important those things are for your whole body health and the mental aspect too is there some type of planetary war going on between the good and the bad ETs? Yes. Yes, there are. But they've pretty much gotten rid of the bad ETs now, I think. And I don't think they're on this planet right now, or a lot of them. There might be a few left, but not as many. Do you think that a lot of people are having ET experiences, but don't want to come out publicly? Yeah, and that's what I've created my whole YouTube channel for, is to help those people come out just like you are just make them comfortable have a safe place to go to talk about it what is the most shocking thing that you've learned while you were with ets that's a good question but i, I think it would be their food <laughs> I, well i don't know that it was shocking but i have some funny stories about eating their white mush and and um, that's all in my book there's i have a lot of funny stories and when they put me in my first uniform which they've never fit somebody in a human body in a uniform. And um, it was probably my gifts, my personal things would probably be my most shocking of what I could do, of going in and rescuing these ETs out of these very 51 places. And I was um, paired up with somebody, um, another human, um, when we started on rescue missions. 
um, she was in um, the northeast and I was, of course, in the southeast. And she was energy and she did groundwork. She would not fly a spaceship. She would not get in a spaceship. She wouldn't have anything to do with it. So I thought we were a perfect team. I was medical and I loved to fly and she was ground and she did energy work. So we were a team going in and rescuing. I'd stay in the spaceship and she'd go in to do the groundwork and then we'd beam them up. Um, that lasted six weeks. And then I realized after that, because she had a lot of family things happening, that she was actually just teaching me energy work. And so I had a six weeks crash course of energy work with her. And, and I would say that was pretty shocking to work with somebody, um, you know, another human that's actually doing the same kind of work. And that, that was kind of shocking, but I don't know about, well, it's all shocking, what am I saying? It's all new shocking, but it's more what I can do. Things that, that come up from me that I have learned and her are coming back up. What do you find inspiring about working with ETs? Well, it expands your abilities, and I think they're here. And what's inspiring is, of course, their knowledge and that um, they are here helping us. They are looking at us. They look at us like we're their children. And um, that, that, that's all inspiring in itself. They're here to help. And why not? Why not help them help us? Have they indicated when full disclosure is going to happen? Um, yes. And um, I was on the committee of disclosure on one of the spaceships, and I was the only human on that on that committee. I'm not on that committee right now. And they had already chosen the person who was going to be the one that was going to be the representation of it. And it was on the hybrid spaceship. And it was a um, committee with all different ETs on there. And they had indicated at that time It'd be 2024. Mm, that's very soon. I know it's very soon. And this was back in 2020 when they were telling me that. I don't know. They, they said there was a lot of things that can change. Um, but that's where they were earmarking was 2024 at that time. Did they say how it was going to happen? Well, they showed me how it was going to happen, that um, it would be pre-planned and that they would land and it was a grassy area in that they would open the spaceship and an ET would walk out and there was the military would be on one side and the medical team would be on the other side and they would walk down the ramp. This would be somewhere publicly where it would be televised and recorded where everybody could see it? Pre-planned, yeah. That's what I was shown. I'm not sure. It's not. And the and there's, they hadn't even decided definitely on which country it was going to be yet at that time. That would be amazing. <laughs> yes, it would be amazing. You know, when I saw, I, I don't talk about that much because, you know, you hate to put like, hang something on like, oh, 2024 is going to be here. And this is how it's going to look like. I've been, I haven't been too vocal about that. At this point in time, do you currently have a job with them? Like your job right now is rescuing or medical? My job right now, um, I'm on my third spaceship, and I just found out my new job um, last week. I've been in training for it, and I went from um, first my first spaceship was the Astar Medical One, and I was a neurosurgeon on that. And then the next spaceship was the Athena, which was our trauma center where we went and did big rescue missions. And now I'm on the Alphabet as a communicator, and I. Um, my job is, is I'm like the triage. I, I watch the espionage and I watch all the spaceships and all the things going on and I decide where they go. 
like um, I'm like the director. We call me the communicator, but I'm one that decides when there's an incident, which hospital spaceship it goes to. So there's a lot of hospital spaceships out there, um, like one specifically for like Palladians or Arcturians. And of course I trained on the hybrids because I was a hybrid. So whenever there's an incident, I send them to where they need to go. Have you ever seen any ETs on the planet during waking life? Um, yes. Yes, but they look human. How did you know they were ETs? Well, the first incident I had like that was down when I was at the dog park with my dog. And and I had said for the week before I was ready to meet an ET, but don't scare me. I was ready to meet them in public. Don't scare. I can't say just don't scare me. Just don't scare me. So they brought in a brother and sister that came into the dog park. They didn't have a dog. They were the oddest things you've ever met. I mean, they were just really weird. And um, so I, I'm looking at them. They came in and they started talking to me. And and I did not recognize that they were ETs until the next day. So when all this was going on, um, the girl came and sat right down on the bench with me, which was odd in the beginning because the whole place is empty. And in my mind was, wow, she's sitting there close to me. And she jumped up and went to the, another seat. And when they came into the dog park, they left the gate open at first. And I went, in my mind, I went, wow, they really need to close that gate. Dogs can get out. And they went right in, back and closed it. Hmm. She also started um, throwing the ball to my dog. The dog that I was there with does not chase balls, but she was going to the ball and bringing it back. I'm going, who is this? Who is my dog doing this? And um, the brother stood up and was talking to me, and he started, and it was in, it was warm outside. Well, the conversation went off the tracks then because he started, they started having a conversation about coats and how hot coats are on this coats, and I'm just going, oh, I got to get out of here. I don't know where this is going because this is crazy talk. So I left and it was the very next day. I, I was in my car and practically stopped and I'm like, holy crap, they sent me two ETs to meet that wouldn't scare me, but they couldn't hold it together very long to have a conversation. I wish I had known at that time that's who they were because I would have asked them a lot of questions, but I don't know if they could have held a conversation. I wish I could get an ET on my show that we could have full disclosure with. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I wish I had to film them because I'm telling you, they were odd. They were odd. I mean, made so much sense the next day um, when I realized that. Now, another time, another ET had been sent. And I was it's always when I'm on the trails with my dogs. And it, again, it was another strange conversation. It was one guy who came out. And um, how you tell, uh, they look a little different, especially if you look at their ears. Um, But again, the conversation kind of fell apart. It seems like they can hold it together for a little bit for a conversation and then it just kind of falls apart. And um, so those are my first, those are ones I can definitely say that those were ETs. Now I'm out Shasta now. There's probably all of me this year. Who is a one here? I'm not sure. Since you're up there, have you seen a lot of ships? Yeah. So you see spaceships are all the time here. I mean, it's an everyday occurrence. That's that's no big, you know, nothing. What do they look like? Well, I've seen the cylinder ones. I've seen um, 
the um, round ones, triangular ones. I would say those are the three most common that I've seen. Now, one night I went and out to the full moon. Now, this is when I was in South Carolina. The full moon was the first time I saw spaceships, and I saw them going back and forth through the um, moon. I couldn't figure out what I went inside and got my glasses. I was out there looking at that. And um, finally, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. It was full moon, and those were, those were triangular spaceships that were there. I've seen um, the cylinder one at the beach in North Carolina before. But here, and that was just like sporadic, but here it's just all the time. They're just here all the time. The names of the ships you gave me were in English. Do you feel like you're communicating in English or some other language? No, we're communicating in English. And I think um, that is probably like the telepathic part of it. I mean, it's mostly telepathic. So I think it just changes. Like if you spoke French, you would hear French telepathically. I think that just kind of adjusts when you're talking. I don't think you're telepathically, I think just telepathically talking is just a general conversation in its own. There's no language to that. Before all this started in 2020, did you have any interest in ETs or UFOs? Oh, yeah. My big Star Trek, Star Wars, <laughs> all that. Yeah, and, and I was also, I had always been able to, to know who had passed or if there was a ghost in a room or, you know, I was always able, you know, when somebody who had passed come back to visit, you knew they were there. So I'd always had that ability, just didn't ever talk about it or, you know, and even as a nurse in the operating room, I could tell when somebody was going to pass. And so I already had those kind of abilities that I just had never explored. How often are you in contact with them? Oh my gosh, every day. I mean, they're here now. I mean, they show up for any interview. Like right now, I have four of them around me. You see them? Mm-hmm. I wish we could ask them questions. Hmm. You can. You can ask them through me. Okay. Let me uh, let me think about that. I've got three that regularly shows up for me on, on okay. interviews and are, things. Okay. Are humans originally from Earth, or were we brought here? I'm saying brought here. From where? Mars. Wow. You seem surprised by that answer. I am surprised by that answer. I have no idea. Well, I've never asked that question. What happened to Mars? We ruined a planet. Was there a war or what? Yes. The asteroid belt that's in our solar system, is that from a destroyed planet? No. Show me how pretty it is. To travel to other star systems would take a long time, even if you are traveling at the speed of light. So how are they doing that? No, they've already shown me that. I've actually taken a spaceship where they show me that there's a place. I'm, I'm, I don't think they call it this, but I call it the Galactic Center. That it's almost like a highway that you can go to that spot and goes to any universe that you want to. And when they showed it to me... It, I think there was five planets, three on one side, two on one. And that was, I guess they call, we call it, they don't call it the same things, but we call it like a portal. Like a wormhole? Kind of a wormhole. They're telling me we have all sorts of names for it. We're all the same thing. Um, But 
for some reason, the galactic center is coming up. Is access to that near Jupiter? No. Jupiter's a, you're telling me Jupiter's pretty big. I've heard before that Jupiter is a failed star and there's a portal or a wormhole near it. There's something about, something special about Jupiter. Let me see what they're saying. Is commerce going on in there? Commerce? There's something going on in Jupiter. And they're telling me commerce. Like trade. Well, Jeff, you're getting all sorts of stuff out of me that I don't even know what to ask. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting this either, so it's great. <laughs> I wish I would have known this is going to happen because I would have had a bunch of questions ready for them. And it looks like to me they're saying Saturn also is commerce. And so that means just interplanetary commerce, like selling spaceships and stuff? Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like. It looks like trade centers. Is there a galactic council? Yes. People talk about that pretty often. Mm -hmm. I'm on it. What beings make up the council? It's everything. It's every being you can think of um, that's there. And that actually, all those ETs I was meeting in the beginning, they were my friends on the council. And that was every one of those ETs are all different species. Do they have any messages for humanity? And if so, what are they? Things are going to change. Be prepared. Can they elaborate on that? Be mentally prepared. Is there such thing as the ascension that this planet is going to go through? Definitely. We're in the process of it now. March 22nd. We did a turning point at March 22nd. We just did a turning point. Why are humans so afraid of ETs? Just like they're afraid of anything alien. They're saying anything that's different from us we're afraid of. And even if they look human, they'll say they, it's going to change everything. I think we've started the change. March 22nd started the change. What happened? It's the planet change. Will the Earth go through some type of magnetic pole reversal? I think you're saying yes, but I'm not definite on this answer. Will the planet move in a way where, let's say, people who live in Canada are now living on the equator? Like, the Earth will shift physically somehow. Um... They're not showing me that kind of shift. It's more of a water shift, ocean shifts. I'm not sure. It looks like to me that it's like so far in the future. Well, this is hard. That's, that's a hard question. I think there's a lot that goes into the, that. I don't think those are definite things. But I think they're showing me the possibilities of what can happen. If a person wants to communicate with ETs or see them, how do they do that? Or at least UFOs too? Well, for me, it was meditation. So um, what, and a lot of people, um, I, I tell meditation is I have to look like the guru because I connect with them a lot, you know, being out on trails and nature, 
driving. Uh, they get me driving all the time. And um, so it's whatever it looks like back for anybody, whatever can shift your brain out of your present moment that um, will help you connect with them. And also the desire to do it. Of course, I can't say that because I had no intentions of meeting them. They just show it, started showing up for me. Happily, <laughs> they showed up for me. Are you saying that you made a contract pre-birth to come back here and work for them? Yes. I think this is my third time. In fact, they've shown me that I go with a team of three people that we go from planet to planet to help the ascension process. Do you think those other two people are human hybrids like you here on the planet? No, they told me I'm the only physical one here. Is time travel real? Yes. Have you done it personally? Yes. Did you travel to the future or the past? Um, it was a rescue mission. I had to travel to the past. In fact, this was a very lengthy, with the girl I had teamed up with, she taught me how to do it. And it took us an hour, I mean, probably about eight hours planning this mission because I was, it was going on the mission by myself and I was rescuing a human from some reptilians. And um, they had taken her kid and they were on the mountains and they're on the trails and she was hiking and they kidnapped her and impregnated her thought she was ugly because she looked human and they had stuck her in acid trying to burn her to make her look better and i was going into the medical side of it of starting ivs and things and how to rescue her and then finally i we, oh, it was going on and on how to do this and by the end of the day, she goes, you can time travel backwards. Get her off the trail before she gets the reptilian. So that's what I did. And we had, <laughs> we were in a spaceship and landed. And I told her, it was around October. I said, we're, we've decorated this helicopter as a spaceship. So she came on and I told her what was ahead of her, that there were some men waiting for her that were going to harm her and got her out of there. So yes, I time traveled for that. You're a hybrid yourself. Do you have any hybrid children? Yes, I have six hybrid children. Um, I have, I've been, I've been shown six. I have a feeling there's probably more. And it seems like they come in pairs of three. And my first, actually one of my children was learning from me on a spaceship, um, how to be a neurosurgeon. And um, that was probably a Palladian father. And the second set, were, and that one was like um, two girls and one boy. And the second set were two girls and one boy. And those were two different fathers. And so, yes, I have six um, proper children that I know of. Were your eggs harvested out of your body and then used to create these children? Or just they, did they use your DNA or something? The first three were not. I knew the father. And the last three, I think, was harvested. You mentioned your book earlier, and I think it's not out yet, but it's called How I Learned to Fly a Spaceship. Mm -hmm. What else are you talking about in that book besides flying a spaceship? Yeah, that book is just basically about my rescue missions. That's all this book is about. My next book's going to be um, probably about my journey to get to where I was at to there. But this first book is just the missions itself. Do you have a website? I do, but it's kind of in the making right now. Um, I have a YouTube channel that um, is Dr. Gail Skywalking with Moon. 
that you can find me there. And my, um, anyway, that's, that's the best place to find me. If people want to ask you questions, is that the best place? That is, or you can email me at drgailstarseed at gmail.com. What kind of content are you posting on YouTube? Oh, content is about my ET experiences, mostly. And I do do a lot like you do. Um, you do chats, live chats with people asking questions and um, about their ET experiences and trying to make it normal, normalize it and let everybody else be able to talk about it. You know, those, ones, those experiences you've had that stayed in the back of your mind, it's always been kind of haunting you to go ahead and start talking about it because it probably did really happen. So it gives them the opportunity to express that. And um, that's basically what I'm doing. I'm trying to normalize your ET experiences so it's easier for us to accept them when they come here. Are there any ET bases on the planet that are hidden? Yes. Where are they? Well, of course, they have one here in Mount Shasta, the Lemurians. Um, but um, they're in the Earth. They're also, there's five off the, co- off the East Coast that I know of that have been shown. Catalina Island has one. They're, they're just all over the place. I had at least one guest, if not two, that remarked about a an underground base being in downtown Los Angeles. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. I hadn't seen that one, though. Would you consider yourself a starseed? I think everybody's a starseed because you have some ET um, DNA in everybody. I just think when we start talking about them being a starseed is when that ET DNA is activated. And um, that's when you're actually recognizing your past and a star seed is somebody who comes from a different planet and decides to come here. And most of us have apparently from Mars, from what they were telling us. So, um, yeah, I think basically everybody has some ET DNA and the star seeds are the ones that kind of be activated. And they're the ones that have come from another planet and have come here to help the earth ascend. Gail, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? The ETs are here to help us. We don't need to fear them. They look at us like we are their children and they are part of us and we're part of them. So we do not need to fear them. We, we just need to go ahead and join them. Are they asking us to join them? I think they're wanting us to be part of them. Yes, we're, we are already part of them. They're just wanting us to awaken to that part of it. Gail, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you having me on. This has been fun. Yeah, it has. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.